We're going to go to Mark chapter 5. And uh, this is heavy on my heart. And I'll tell you for a number of reasons as we get through this. Um, I, I think sometimes we struggle with prayer. And the reason why we struggle with prayer is because we talk about how simple it is. And, and let me just say, <clears throat> that is the point of this, is how simple it is. If you were to ask somebody a definition of prayer, and on Wednesday night, I'm teaching through prayer and, and that doctrine through the discipleship deep drive and explaining what it is. And the simplicity of the explanation of it is prayer is talking to God. Uh, that, that's what praying is. It's just simply talking to God. And when we're teaching somebody to pray, and, and that's part of what Jesus did with the disciples, was just, just talk to him like he's your heavenly father. Talk to him like a, uh, like a friend. Talk to him and cast your care upon him. You know why? Because he cares for you. We complicate prayer. Trust me, I've been in this deep aspect of, of praying and and, and people will give me suggestions, and I'm, I, I've read like six books about prayer in the last two years just on that one specific thing. And because I'm, I'm you know, the Bible talks about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. So I'm like, I don't know what effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, but I'm going to dig into every one of those things because I want my prayer to accomplish much. Then the Bible says about praying without ceasing. And I've had people say, where if you're going to pray and, and see God work, you've got to do it in some specific ways. You've got you've to not just pray, you've got to rebuke. Rebuke Satan, rebuke the sickness, rebuke all these things. So I'm rebuking everything, okay? I'm just like, get out, get out. And then I'm like, am I rebuking it enough? And the Bible says to, 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 to wait upon the Lord. Seek him with all your heart. Wait on the Lord. Seek him with all your heart. Like, am I waiting or am I seeking? You know what I'm saying? It's like we're, we're supposed to be doing both things. Everybody says it's, it's both of those things. The Bible talks about anointing with oil. And I've had people message me, and we have tons of people. And if you're one of them, I'm not knocking you. I'm just telling you what I've heard. It's like you've got to anoint it with oil. You've got to anoint your son. We've done that. The people said, have you anointed his pillow? Have you anointed the bedroom? Then somebody came back and said, you probably should anoint the house. I mean, we're just like, you know, like a spray gun, you know, just anointing everything. I just like... Where do you stop with this? It talks about having faith. And the Bible says that, you know, the faith is the grain of mustard seed. You can move mountains. And then something doesn't happen. And then we come back and says, well, I don't, maybe we just didn't have enough faith. And it only takes this much. So, so I, I know I at least had that much. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, ah. And every aspect of this, it's like another chapter, another verse about different things to pray. It's like sometimes it's, it's pray believing. It's pray in the closet. It's pray by yourself. It's having the church pray. It's, you know, so you just have thousands of people pray or hundreds of people pray. And then we talk about when you pray, enter to the closet and get alone. Which one's more powerful? The alone prayer or having everybody pray? If I fast, is it a day, two days? Is it just one thing? If I cheat, does God not... Hear my prayer if I, if, if I eat a Cheeto accidentally because I forgot that I'm fasting. Does God look out and say, nope, cancel it out? I know it's like, he's just being silly. Yeah and no, I'm not. I, I think there's another level to this. Because I think Satan loves to get into our heads and make you think you're just doing it wrong. To where we just back out on prayer just going, what's the point? Because either nothing's happening or I'm not seeing anything happen. Or you'll see God work in somebody else's life and go, wow, he just, man, he just miraculously did that. And you pray and 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 nothing happens. So maybe it's me. 
Maybe I don't have enough faith or because I'm not doing it right or whatever the case might be. And we begin to question, does God care about me as much as he cares about a pastor's prayer? I, I, I know that we struggle with that kind of stuff. I used to struggle with that, so why would not I? It's like, so if Pastor Tony's son is sick and my son is sick, would God hear his prayer over my prayer because he's a pastor? He walks with God every day. He reads the Bible. He preaches about prayer. So, I mean, the guy preaching about prayer, he's got to have some sort of connection to prayer. Maybe for you, it's, I don't go to church on a regular basis. When I pray, I'm done in 30 seconds. And people talk about, I get deep into prayer and pray for three hours. Some people say, I get up early in the morning and I pray at five o'clock. And you, you go to bed and you start praying and you fall asleep. You're like, man, how do I compare if you're at Fellowship Baptist Church, we're going to just keep it real when you're here. So if you got it all figured out, come see me after service and I'll let you write my next message. So, so we don't. That's why we study the Word of God. That's why we read this. That's why we're real and we're transparent. And I didn't say any of this for you to be like, oh man, he doesn't even know. He's like, we're in trouble. Why are we going to listen to this guy? Because I think this is important for us to understand. We're all different. Some, some people walk in the church and be like waving their hands like, hey, I, I need prayer. Do you guys mind praying for me? And this is what's going on. And I got this sickness. And some people just tell it all. You know, just like, I've got this issue. And some people walk in and you're dying inside. And you say nothing. Sit there, stand up, walk out. And you're just dying inside. Man, I'm... I'm so broken, but I'm not going to get attention. And then somebody else stands up and says, can I just share with the church that I'm praying for my son or I'm praying for my mom or I got this urgent need? And then you step back and go, oh man, my prayer request is nothing to the magnitude of death or sickness or cancer or disease or life and death. So we question, does God see my pain like he sees everybody else? Does God see my heart like everybody else? Does God care for me even though I'm a mess? So let's get real about this. Because this next passage in Mark chapter 5, and the second part, we've already done the first part of this, so let's go to the second part in verse 21. He gets real on this, and there's this unique story, and it's two people, and God does this with the story. He intertwines two people seeking after God, intertwines two drastically, radically different people, and he combines the story together. Now, it would have been one thing if he would have just like, well, let me tell you a story. Okay, that's done. Let me tell you another story. He doesn't do that. But this is so intentional. So in verse 21, he said, When Jesus passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Behold, there cometh a ruler of the synagogue called Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her that she might be healed and she, she shall live. Jesus went with him and much of the people followed and thronged him. And certain woman when she had an, that had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. So we got these two stories, two very different situations. So what I'd like to do is compare the two. Okay, if you were to take the woman, she's going there. She has an internal problem. Nobody can see, doesn't say a word, and she's praying or seeking God for herself. On the other side of it, you've got a man praying for somebody else, 
passionate about it. He's not asking selfishly. I'm, I'm asking for the sake of my child. I see her suffer. She's been sick for a while. So you've got this comparison going back and forth of the two different people. One is 12 years old and the daughter. The other one has been struggling with the sickness for 12 years. That is a long time. But one thing that they had in common, they were both desperate. They were desperate. Two very different people with very different backgrounds. So the question that we ask is, do I matter? Because I compare people to each other all the time. Do I matter as much as other people do? Because if we're going to be honest, let me just spell it out. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. I'm not talking about he went to church. I'm talking about he ran church. And, and, you know, back then it was different, but you guys know what I'm saying. He was in in the political scene. uh, he, He was known in the community. The people had respect for him. He had authority. Not just in the synagogue, but in the streets and in the public places. He had a title. He had a position. He had education. He had authority. He was well known. He was out front. He was recognized. Then you get to this woman. Do you know how we reference her? The woman with the issue of blood. How would you like to be referenced according to your issue? You know, the issue, you know, the guy with the issue of lying or the guy with the issue of cheating or the guy with the issue of lust or whatever. It's like, I don't even get a name in the Bible. I mean, they just, so you, you talk about the difference of this. She was invisible and he was well known. And, and there's, there's, Jairus led religious ceremonies. That's what he did. He, he, he would share and teach and all these different things that he would do. The woman with the issue of blood because of the Levit- Levitical law, she wasn't allowed to go in public places, especially think of ceremonial things re- relating to spiritual things because she had this issue or this disease and it would spread. So they, they, they had laws that people like that weren't allowed to touch people, touch religious leaders, or go to public places. I know it's different today because we have different ways of handling things like that, but back then they didn't. So they had laws that no unclean person or people that could spread or spread disease was allowed to be in public places. Drastic differences. So when you talk about this woman with the issue of blood that walks in here and touches or reaches out to Jesus, just being in the crowd, all it took was for one person to say, wait a minute, unclean, and they would have split the crowd, pointed at her, and called her out for walking in there being an outcast, undesired, and not belonging. Could we have two different drastic stories? I I don't think we could. Both of them were at the end of the road. Both of them were struggling. Both of them were just dealing with things. Notice this comparison. Mark chapter 5, verse 26. And she suffered many things of many physicians, and she had spent all that she had. It's not even like she walked in as like, hey, is Jesus taking up an offering? I've got something to give. She walked in there broke, broke, broke. Literally not even enough to pay for food or anything that she had. She literally, with a physician, she spent all that she had. Because if you don't have uh, the ability to even be healed, how can you live a life? She spent all that she had. Later in the story, we see how Jairus is... is, uh, Well, let me read verse 35. While he yet spake, there come from the ruler of the synagogue's house... A ruler of the synagogue's house, of, of this guy that came. And he talks about the servants that he had and the people. One of the servants runs up and begins to deliver this news. He had people that answered underneath him. The point of this, I, I want you to get it. It's not about your title. It's not about your position. It's not about how long you've been in church. 
It's not a lot about how much you contribute. It's how, mu how much you don't contribute. It doesn't matter if you've been here for 12 years or you haven't been here at all in the last 12 years. He still cares about you. If I'm going to tell you about my Jesus, I want you to know about my Jesus. My Jesus cares deeply about you. That's what you need to know about Jesus. My Jesus cares about you. It doesn't matter your status, your title, your position, your past, your illness, or whatever it is. He cares about you. And you've got to understand, these stories are in the Bible for a reason. When we go from Mark chapter 4 to 5 to 6, whatever, it's just another one that Jesus said, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to know my heart. I want you to know my, 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 my calling for why he came to this earth. But notice this, they had two very different approaches. When I asked you the question, am I doing it right? Am I praying right? Am I saying it? Do I fold my hands? Do I not fold my hands? Should I close my eyes? I did that as a kid. Should I have my kids close their eyes? What if I'm on my knees? If I'm not on my knees? Ah! How do you do it right? And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Can I point out Jairus by name? By name. To put it in the context, this guy starts running up and they're like, hey, hey guys, get out of the way for a minute. Let, let him get the Jesus. This is, this is somebody of position. This is somebody of authority. Here, here he comes. Everybody knew his name. He boldly came before Jesus, outwardly yelling, getting the attention. He falls to the ground, shocking the people because rulers like him didn't do that kind of stuff. He was on the outs with Jesus. Remember the story when we talked about when they gathered in the house and he was healing the lame man and while he was healing the lame man, he said to him, he goes, I am the son of man. I am the son of God. Son of man, they were okay with. Son of God? Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you cannot claim to be God. So all of a sudden, he became the outcast. They loved the fact that he was this guy that came around doing prophet stuff and healing people and teaching and giving deep thoughts and stuff like that. But when he claimed to be the son of God, they put him on the outs as a heretic. So for this man to run in and do this was a big deal. But verse 23, it says, and he besought him greatly, greatly. I don't know, how, I don't know what this is. All, all I know that is he went after Jesus greatly. Think about that. It was, I, I don't think he went in and said, hey, have you guys seen Jesus? Hey, I, it's good to see you, buddy. It's like, are you looking for Jesus? No, 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 no. He besought Jesus greatly. The way that I describe it, and a lot of you will identify with this, is I, I remember when our kids were younger, we're in the toy aisle, and, and they're running around and stay close to dad. Dad, can I look at this? Yeah, but stay right there, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you turn around, and they're not in that aisle anymore. And I remember specifically the store, the situation, what we were doing, whatever, and Jordan disappeared. And I, I don't know, he went a couple of ways down, and then he got lost from me. I got lost from him. And, and I know you're like, you're just a bad dad. I don't, whatever. It's, like, it's happened to all of us, okay? <laughs> and I just turn around, and Jordan's not there. So this is what I do at first. I'm just like, Jordan, hey, buddy. Hey, you guys, look for Jordan. Like, well, he was right here. Jordan, aisle one, aisle two, aisle three, aisle four. And then it starts going through your mind. Somebody grab my kid. You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there before? You see the movies, you know, human trafficking, all this other stuff. Somebody grab my kid. So I freak out. And I'm no longer Pastor Tony. I'm more like the maniac of Gadara, okay? I'm just like, 
running around like, Jordan, where are you? Jordan, Jordan. And then people are looking at me. Do you know what I, I, I thought about that? I didn't care. I, I could care less what you have to think about me from being, me being some sort of wild, crazy man doing that. All I cared about that moment is I need to get to my son before somebody takes him away. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Something gets inside of you. Well, this isn't just somebody coming up missing. His child was at the point of death. If you know the story, she dies in the story. It's not like he was probably thinking, I should have did this sooner. And the more he's getting closer to Jesus, the run, he's running and drastically, passionately doing this. And they besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter, she lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her that she might be healed and she shall live I, I, you, you talk about just passionately, I'm asking you, here's my prayer. I believe in you. All you have to do is lay hands. All you have to do is come into my house. I'll part the way. I'll run before you. I'll do whatever it takes. Dear Jesus, I need you desperately right now. And that's how some of us pray. I, I, I can tell you, I, I get that. Knowing that the, the verbal, out, outward, passionate present in front of everybody. I'm going to make my need known. And guys, I do that. I, I, and I know that because of my position and things like that, with the, the heaviness on my heart, I, I, without apology, if I get a platform, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention my need. I'm going to beg for prayer. I'm going to be verbal and vocal and outgoing and passionate. But does that discredit the other ones that aren't? For that woman to stand there and go, if I open my mouth, I could get kicked out of here. I don't have authority like that. I don't have position like that. I don't, I don't have respect like that. I don't have the words to say, and if I did, I'd probably fall apart in front of people. Mind games going on. I shouldn't be here. What if they notice me? He won't even see me. What if somebody starts yelling out, unclean? Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind just touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Do you guys see the approaches? Now, we already compared the backgrounds. You could not get more drastic. Man, woman, somebody praying for somebody else, somebody seeking for themselves. Somebody who was poor, somebody that had money. Somebody <laughs> positioned, no position. Somebody that went to the synagogue every day, somebody that was even allowed in the synagogue. Drastic difference. But you talk about drastic approaches. He's vocal, outgoing, pushing through, yelling, loud, passionate, puts out this whole prayer before him, and she does this. You ready for this? You ready for this? Do you like her elaborate prayer? Was her words eloquent enough for you? Are you impressed by her title? Unclean? Woman with issues. Do you know the point of the story? You matter no matter what. Both stories was a matter of God cares, God cares, God cares, God cares. And I think we make it so much about the approach to the Father. And Jesus is about just approach the Father. We're all different. But I think a lot of times we compare ourselves to other people. I, I just love the simplicity because she just, 
reaches out. I think Jesus gives us this because you're going to have all the other people like, if I pray, I'm going to lift up hands, both hands, on both knees, hours at a time. Da, 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 da. And God's like, you think, you think that's going to be better? And don't get me wrong, I think we should come humbly before God. I, I think we should pray and, and claim the names of God and the promises of God and pray through Scripture and all that. I'm not belittling any of that. And I think the more you grow in your faith, the more you're going to learn the heart of Jesus and the heart of God. But I don't think any of that stuff is going to make it to where God says, well, he's not kneeling enough. He's not vocal enough. Two very different responses. Different people, different backgrounds, different approaches, two very different responses to Jesus. Verse 29, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest to touch me? The the point of this is not a fact that, that Jesus was like, hey, I think something just happened. No, that was not the point. Because I tell you, in this instant, Jesus could have healed her with the virtue, with the authority, with the purity, with the power, leaving him. Instantly, he could have done that and just kept going on. And, and, and she would have gotten up and been like, yes, I'm healed, let's go. It could have been that. But the thing is, Jesus responds to the woman that doesn't even have a name in the story. You see, the, the point is you are not lost in the crowd. You, uh, the God that we serve is El Roy. The, 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 the God that in the story of Hagar where God says, I see you. Oh, Roy is the God who sees. God sees your pain. God sees your heartache. God sees you when nobody else sees you. She walked in there dying inside, literally dying inside. And nobody had a clue. And I think a lot of people walk in church dying inside and nobody has a clue. But I need to tell you today that my Jesus sees your pain. He sees your hurt. When you're not vocal, when you're not raising your hands, when all it is is a tear on your cheek, my Jesus sees you. And he cares. And he responds. Because sometimes we'll think, who am I? And Jesus lets her know exactly who she is. And he looked around to see her who had done these things. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he to- she told him all the truth and said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You know what's beautiful about this story right here? It wasn't like Jesus just said, Did you touch me? You are healed, my sister. And then he went on. Do you know what he does? He turns to this woman, embraces her in such a way that he says she told all that had been happened to her. You think Jesus is too busy? He's literally going to save the life of somebody that's dying from a religious leader that had his attention. And Jesus turns to hear her heart. The whole story is he cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about what you're dealing with. And he wants to know, tell me all your heart. I can imagine maybe she's like, you need to go. No, no, no. I want to hear the rest. 
Get it off your chest. You've been isolated. You've not even been around people. Verse 33, and the woman, fearing and trembling what all has been done to her, came and fell down before him. The fear and trembling is debated. Was it a matter of her in that instant, in that passage, meaning like I'm just overwhelmed with joy or did I just do something wrong or whatever, but the response of it is powerful. And Jesus said unto her, thou woman with the issue of blood. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. And he said unto her daughter. Nobody else referenced her like that. The term daughter is a term of endearment. It's a term of belonging. It's a term of affection. Literally in that instance, you're not bugging me. You belong here. You talk about the heart. She found healing, but she found belonging in the midst of this. And you question, am I doing this right? And the key to this whole story was in verse 34. And he said unto her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. The whole point of this was the fact that she reached out to Jesus. It wasn't what she said or how she did the past and all these other things. It was just simply the reach and faith of trusting an almighty God. So let me be honest. And let me close with this. Because this next part is what really got to me. This next part, as much as I've read this story and as much as I've taught this, as much as I've read it in my personal devotions... This is the part that really, just in my life right now, just stood out to me differently than any time before. It's how Jesus responds. How does he answer? Now, 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 let me show you the comparison in this passage. Because when Jesus turns to the woman, instantly she's changed. Did you notice that? Instantly. Now, if I was Jairus, I would have been standing there going, oh, 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 do that again, just with my daughter. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Just, just say the words. Touch her. Whatever you have to do, just make it go away. Because I think that's in our mind. If you, if you did it, 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 we compare ourselves to ever other people. And there's another story of the centurion that came with his servant. And, and Jesus said, I'll go to your house. And he said, no, Lord, just say the words of my servant would be healed. God has the ability to heal without even being there to lay hands on her. And I think we see when God does a move of God in a situation and God heals, we're like, Lord, just do that for me. Just make it go away. Change this right now. Do whatever you do. Just fix this. And he doesn't. For the woman that you would have thought got the thing, maybe God would have said, well, we need to go on a journey and talk about this for a little bit, sweetie, because there's some things in your life we need to know. He instantly healed her. But Jesus with Jairus, he says, let's go on a trip. I'm going to take you on a journey. We're going to go for a walk. I'm going to go home with you. And he steps into their pain. Sometimes it's not just about the healing, it's about the journey. And that's hard. Because I'd rather Jesus do for what? For me, what he just did for them. And while he yet spake, there came from the rulers of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Have you ever been on a journey to follow Jesus? And in the midst of that journey... You get news that messes with your head. I, I think a lot of times we talk about faith over fear. You guys know what I'm talking about here. That all I, I've got shirts I wear them. I'm, 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 I, I believe that because fear is an emotion that really tears us apart. But I, I think it's not so much faith over fear. It's faith over facts. 
Because in that mind, in that moment right there, man came up and said, listen, it's just not going to work out. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. What if they would have listened to man? Have you ever thought about that? What if that situation is like, oh, Jesus, you go your way, whatever. What if we would have listened to man rather than listen to God? And I tell you, that is an emotional battle when people say there's just nothing we can do or here's the facts or here's the statistics or this is what typically happens. But it's a struggle. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house, and the ruler of the synagogues seeth this tumult. That's a weird word, and I thought, why is that in there? Because we don't have a word that describes that in our English language. It's an emotional, chaotic mess. That's what that word is. Jesus gets to the house and literally he's approaching them and I'm sure they're running and going fast and the father is probably catching his breath because my daughter's dead, my daughter's dead. And Jesus keeps patting him on the head and said, let's keep going, keep going, come on, keep going, keep going. You're gonna listen to them or you're gonna listen to me? And then you get to that house and it comes a reality. And that word is describing that there's people crying and weeping and wailing and people so sick that they can't even see straight over the the loss of a 12-year-old that they're begging and pleading and physicians and everything else, and it feels like it's too late. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, make ye this, why do you make this ado? Why why are you weeping? Why is this going on? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now notice the crowd, okay? Notice what this, you wonder why the journey is. Jesus literally is like, I need to step in because there's other people that need to see what I'm going to do. You guys understand that sometimes the journey that you're on in the instant healing isn't going to bring glory to God like he could if he brings you on its journey to do something different. And they laughed him to scorn. When he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother and the damsel, and when they were with him, they entered where the damsel was lying. Now, now notice this. Just think about this. You have all these people that are skeptics. God's about to do a big work. And God's about to use the faith of this man to be able to do things. And God literally shoves them all out and says, you guys need to stay out here. And he takes the father and the mother and he walks into that broken situation with both of them. That's what he does. You know, the woman's like healed. And God says, no, I want you to see my heart. I want you to see my character. I want you to learn to trust me. I want people around me to be able to see the mighty, awesome God. Because remember, they probably laughed in the scorn because they're the ones of part of his house that are like, you're a heretic. You know how many people in this world doubt God? Is God real? Is he powerful? Does he care about me? Sometimes we've got to allow God to take us on a journey where he walks into our pain and he steps into our doubts and he steps into our frustration for him to prove the mighty power that God has. It's not just about you. It might be about the people in your house. It might be about the doubters that are watching you from across the street. It might be about the people in the cubicles next to you at work. It might be for those that are watching that God says, I don't need to heal you on the spot. I need to walk into your pain. And they took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, and he uses this Aramaic phrase, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say to thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, and she was at the age of 12, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. 
and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. You say, what is the point in this story? Simple this. He cares about you. I don't know any other way to put it. And when you're debating in your mind, am I doing this right? Am I praying right? I don't care if you're running to Jesus, like I'm just going to throw it all out there. If you're on your hands and knees, just putting your hand out before God because you have nothing left to say and you have nothing left to do and you just don't know what to do. He cares when you have no money to give Jesus. He cares when you've spent all and you're absolutely broke. He cares when you're filled with doubt. He cares when you're struggling with the facts. He cares when other people are laughing. He cares about you when you feel like you're not doing anything right. He cares.